Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to Escaping Casteberus. My name is Rich and I'm joined by Amy. Hi. And together over the next goodness knows how many weeks, we are going to be re-watching, reminiscing and reviewing the entirety of Doctor Who from 2005 to right now, which is just after series 12 has aired. And today is episode number two. of escaping Casteberus. Thank you all uh, who've watched and or listened to the first episode of this podcast ever. Thank you all for the the tweets and the lovely messages that you've had and the comments on the uh, video version as well. It's much appreciated and we're glad you were enjoying it. Uh, But now we are on to literally episode two of our podcast and episode two of Doctor Who, which is The End of the World, aired on... April the 2nd, 2005, it was the first uh, New Who episode set in the future, because obviously Rose is set present day. And fun fact, apparently the majority of the series' budgets was blown on the CGI in this Ooh. episode. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> Which is saying something when you actually look at the CGI, because it's not all that good. But I then mean... again, it's 2005, and TV CGI was never given the time of day. Like, mm-hmm. like it somewhat is now. And even getting CGI in movies in 2005 was a hell of a lot more expensive than it is today. Or at least I think it is. I think it's part of the charm, though. I think it is. <laughs> not not like Series 1 of Once Upon a Time CGI. Now that... Oh, no, nah, that's that just like... ghastly. <laughs> that's just bad. <laughs> so if you're watching Doctor Who for the first time, welcome to the end of the world. Everyone dies. Yay. Uh, if you're re-watching it like us, then... Uh, I hope you've uh, been back through and had some laughs and seen some bits and pieces you might not have spotted before, or as we talked about last week, things that you can look at in a different light. Now you know what Mm. happens over the course of the next couple of series. And End of the World is one of the, is the first episode of the series that really starts to open things up a bit more. There were multiple things that were discussed in this episode. I didn't really remember being discussed this early on. So, such as? Such as who the Doctor is. Yeah. And things about the TARDIS, which we will get to. So oh, yeah. This episode opens with a little rundown as to what happened the week before. And this is the only time this really happens in 
Doctor Who in new or in series one, apart from two parts, really with the mm. previously. But this kind of runs over the events of the first episode and then leads into straight into when Rose runs into the TARDIS at the end of the first episode. It's such a beautiful transition between the end of the last episode and the start of the next one, and it just sort of like starts, and you sort of think that that's going to be like the point where they start the credits or like whatever. But it literally is just like runs onto the TARDIS. Oh hey, where do you want to go? Like oh, they, they get they, they get the cold open of that story out of the way before they go to the titles rather than just doing mm. a previously and then going straight into the title sequence. So yeah, Rose has just dumped Mickey by the bins in London. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> and goes into the TARDIS and uh, Eccleston's there. You know, he's got this glass ball in his hand and he's like, so then Rose Tyler, where do you want to go? And this sequence I think is really good because you don't see it that often in uh, Doctor Who, especially not in the new series. Mm. Uh or even in, not really in Moffat's era, there might be some moments when we do see it a bit more, but we actually get to see how the TARDIS actually works. Because this is the the longest time we've spent in the new TARDIS. Like, in the first episode, you only see it, what, For once? For, like, uh, maybe like, like 30 seconds, collectively. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we actually get a little bit of time in this new TARDIS, which we discussed last week, that we both absolutely adore. It's beautiful. Um, so... Eccleston's there saying, you know, where do you want to go backwards or forwards? Rose says forwards. And he says, right, we'll go forward 100 years, then 1,000 years, and then they'll go forward 5 billion years. But you get to see him use the TARDIS. Like, he puts the ball back on there. I've always been wondered whether that ball that he holds, when he puts it down on the panel, whether he's putting it down on something to say... To make it work. To make it work. Like, whether you take the this ball, you put it on this bit of the console, it goes forwards, this bit it goes backwards. Kind of like how keys work in a car. <laughs> Sort of like that's kind of how I that's kind of how I always saw that. But you know, flicks a couple of switches, and then he has this wheel that uses that really uses that really goofy um, like squeaky wheel sound. And that's that's something that I always thought about series one that they use so many stock sounds that sound really strange. Like uh, we'll get to this in uh, in Boomtown, which is episode ten or eleven, episode eleven of the series, uh, where they use these like really kind of childish sound effects for certain things i love but it though it's we'll part get, of the oh yeah it's part of the show <laughs> we'll get to that but like seeing eccleston use the tardis like properly he's got the the, the pump that he, he's in the side of the tardis oh, console at one point he's literally looking rose dead in the eye and he's just going ee, 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 ee. it's <laughs> like are you okay <laughs> and it, it, it reminds me of apparently how how william hartnell was back in the original series where he had mapped out his TARDIS console that certain things did certain things, like certain buttons and switches did specific things. Mm. So I think it it was it was put it was done in Adventure in Space and Time when I, I'm guessing it's uh, um, some just a, another character uses the console and he says, oh, you know, press the button to open the doors and they go over, they just press a random button. And he's like, no, 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 it's not that button. It's this button. Even though it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um, he mapped out his TARDIS in full to make it look like he actually knows what he's doing. He's not just pressing random buttons like somebody typing on a keyboard in a fake manner. Yeah, in a film, in a, it's just in a like... Film or a TV show. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I was saying, making noise there. <laughs> I, I was mean, trying to a, do the keyboard thing. <laughs> but you made noise. You meant to like really lightly rest your fingers and... Like when you see the the cutaways to people in the news just look like you're working and they're just there like lightly touching the keys and it's blatantly (laughs) obvious they're not pressing them. But uh, Eccleston does this whole thing where you actually, you see him use the TARDIS. um, He even brings the bell at the end. Oh, I love that bell. (laughs) It's like, it's completely over the top. He's showing off so much. 
because it's something that we see Aquiston do. He's show he's a show off because he's impressing mm. this 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 hot girl he's picked up. I mean. And it's the fir- and it's the first friend he's made since uh, since the time war, which does actually get uh, actually no, it doesn't get name dropped in this episode. He mentions a war. He does he mention he a war. He doesn't call it the time war yet, but mm. they end up going forward in time to platform one. Uh, where they watch the end of the world happen. The sun expands, it engulfs the earth, and everybody dies, even though the world's empty. But, you know, earth death Stuff. in 30 minutes, <laughs> and so on. I think it's really cool, though, also just going slightly back a stage, is the fact that he actually asks Rose where he wants to go. I think mm. it's like one of the only times where you ever kind of see the Doctor actually say, like, hey, where do you want to go? Like, I know that maybe they probably do in a later series but like most of the time you just kind of open the episode and they're already where they want to be and it's or they're like you you know it's kind of that from start to finish that i think is really key point to the first series is you go like russell made a point of sort of explaining everything so like this point for us is kind of like oh we can go anywhere oh i wonder where they're gonna go and that's that kind of like once again that kind of audience it like pulling pulling the audience in sort of thing well you say about him not necessarily giving the companion the option to to choose where to go but technically he does that again in this series when rose asks to go and see the day her dad died yeah no i know that's we'll what get, i'm saying which like, we'll get to in episode, is it episode seven is it after mm. dalek or is it after empty child i, have I no want idea. to say it's after dalek i'm not entirely sure you're the um, but yeah, so they, they go forward in time and they end up here. And something you said last week about how Rose just kind of goes along with it. Mm. Like, you see characters see the Earth for the first time. It happens multiple times in, in Doctor Who in the new series. Um, where they see Earth from space and they're all completely overwhelmed. Fro- it's not that Rose doesn't give a crap. It's more that she's just like, yeah, I kind of expected to see this. We're on a space station I'm going to see the earth, but she doesn't sort of like hyperventilate or pass out or anything like we just kind of see in, in the future of the series. She's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. She's just kind of stood there like, it's the earth. I do believe I've seen this on TV a few times. Yeah. <laughs> it looks exactly the same. <laughs> She's seen plastic things come to life. This isn't like, this is more normal. This is just earth. <laughs> than that. And she kind of, it takes her a bit of time to come to terms with it. We've, we actually see Rose for the first time kind of freak out a bit mm. about her surroundings because obviously they go to platform one which is like an, an observation deck for rich people to watch the earth die uh for fun because you know it's, because it's why a, not <laughs> it's a momentous occasion a planet's gonna die screw it we've got the shields to keep us safe from the sun let's go watch <laughs> uh, and it's a proper billionaire's thing i mean donald trump's brain in a jar will be there when it actually happens because God, I'm not, I, won't, I won't be surprised if he try and keeps himself alive Ugh, up until then let's king not. of the world the last human this is not a political podcast let's move on <laughs> that's true yeah but when <laughs> when they end up in the main room they beat they meet the steward who is <laughs> this bloke who's blue i love that bit. just he's blue yeah yeah he is okay <laughs> just like standard as you're saying rose last week was like yeah screw it I'll, i can i can get behind this it's fine it's it's normal stuff and when the uh when the steward starts to introduce the rest of these creatures one of which is the face of Bo, which we will get to in the future mm. um <laughs> but you have like the mocks of balhoom you have the forest of cheem you have the adherence of the repeated meme you have the, the 
the, do you think, the, the, do you think the, Russell T Davis knew that memes were going to be like massive? Well, I think point? I that's think an me- accident. <laughs> meme is a pre-existing term. Well, I think obviously. it was just used for that. But I, I remember like going back and watching that, and thinking, meme. <laughs> meme. Why did I not? Like, I never. Obviously, it's weird to now hear that word and not think, think of an of internet. Just context. it being like a weird <laughs> word used back in the day because obviously back in 2005 memes weren't really a big thing like I don't even think I had internet in my in my bedroom or any access nah, to the internet not. without going on my parents computer uh, back <laughs> <Dial> then. Dial up. <laughs> oh god I remember getting getting wi-fi in my my bedroom for the first time and the first oh. website I went on was the Doctor Who website <laughs> which such a nerd. it was it was my home page give me a break. <laughs> I I I oh. love that old Doctor Who website. I can remember it very very vividly. I might have to go on like the Wayback Machine to see if there's a good like capture of it from back in 2005. But that was back when, uh, obviously, before they had all of the uh, before they had iPlayer and YouTube and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They had they uploaded like maybe one or two clips and sound effects from each of the episodes and they uh, and they put up the next time trailers on the BBC website but the only way you could watch the next time trailers you had to download real player oh real player you needed real player <laughs> to to do that and i remember Hasn't my dad technology come a long way that's 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 a big throwback i don't even know where the real player is still going i just remember what, was that, that my... the cone no that's v that's VLC is the cone. The real player was just like a, I think it was like a speech bubble with an mm. R in it. And I remember that my dad had it on his PC and one of the visualizations you had for playing like MP3s was a bunch of sheep in a field that would like bop along to the song. <laughs> so real Fabulous. player back in 2005 had beaten Tom Scar to beat Beep by Machine. Beep by Machine. <laughs> so, but that was back in the real player. If, you, if you're listening and you remember the watching like, 240p uh next time trailers on the bbc website using real player uh let me know because i remember downloading the next time trailer for parting of the ways and watching it over and over again because it had daleks in it oh my god i'm so excited but we're not talking about daleks we're talking about we're talking about yes let's get back to the episode (laughs) yeah so so all these all these aliens come in they're all like granting gifts and you know the box of balhoon spits in rose's face (laughs) and the doctor flirts with a tree with tits Mm. and you know we just we, we, the adherence of the repeated meme give people silver balls sounds like a meme in itself and <laughs> Rose kind of gets overwhelmed and she runs away and mm. yeah this is the first time that she properly thinks oh god I've run away with a stranger and she kind of goes stands, sits in a room and looking over the earth and, and refa- no you've ref- missed the fabulous scene with sorry Cassandra comes in well yeah but also you've missed the scene with Raffello well, yeah, I mean, we'll get... Well, Cassandra's first. <laughs> how, do I, how do I skip Cassandra? So, Cassandra, played by the wonderful Zoe Wanamaker... Oh, fabulous. ...comes trundling in. Madam Hooch, if you're needing a, a reference <laughs> point, if you're not sure who's... I don't even know how many things I've seen Zoe Wanamaker in, to be honest. Like, a few? Was she in My Hero? I don't even know what that is. You... What? What? What's oh My Oh, my Hero? God, My Hero's amazing. It's What's a comedy show with... Oh, God... Uh, it's just I don't know the names of the actors, but just fantastic. <laughs> I, know she, I know I do know she did comedy, but she she plays Lady Cassandra O'Brien. Delta Seventeen. Don't ask me why I remember that. Because you're uh, a nerd. I'm a nerd. Who's a, <laughs> who, as Rose very eloquently puts it, a bitchy trampoline. 
uh, is the last the last human in existence inverted commas because she's had seven eight eight hundred no she said seven hundred and eight soon to be seven hundred and nine seven hundred and eight operations her seven hundred and ninth is next week she's getting her blood bleached <laughs> uh, and she's like literally this stretched skin woman on a frame with her two scientist boys next to her moisturize uh, me and she's <laughs> and the best thing about her is is like Zoe Wanna Maker plays her so brilliantly and she's also so full of shit. <laughs> like when she obviously all these guests are granting gifts and she she comes in with this twisted approach to Earth history, which is obviously funny for us who know the stuff she's on about. So she brings in an ostrich egg and it's like it had a wingspan of fifty feet and blew fire from its nostrils. And we're like, <laughs> no, that's it's a, a dragon. <laughs> it's an ostrich. Sure. And then she brings a jukebox in and says, this is what they called an iPod. And like, <laughs> bear in mind, the iPod was like cutting edge, brand new mm. technology back in 2005. This is the, I mean, obviously there are a couple of moments in Rose where things are aged. Um, like Rose going on Mickey's computer, going on search-wise.net. Oh that, that huge grey box computer that CRT. we all had. Uh, and she comes in with the jukebox and she plays... Uh, Tainted music from love. music from our from Earth's most famous composers, and it's Tainted Love, and you get this wonderful gif <laughs> of Eccleston dancing away to himself. He's having a great time, just milling about with aliens. He's there thinking, "Ah, nothing's going to go wrong here. We're just going to see this." And Rose runs off, and she's taken aback by the aliens, because even though she's seen plastic, plastic uh, creatures and the nesting consciousness, this is like going from zero to a hundred she's seeing mm. so many different species all at the same time but i also think because when she saw the nesting consciousness it was just kind of like in the middle of it all like they were already in the thick of it they were already trying to save everything like you're just kind of running with the adrenaline at that point whereas at this point you've gone to the year five billion what was it 5.5 slash apple slash something slash 26 that and uh you you just kind of stood there surrounded by all these aliens and this is like the moment when you're not really running about you're not really doing anything and you've just got time to kind of stand there and look around and go holy crap what the hell have i done <laughs> yeah this is this is just normality for 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 everything like this is the universe continuing because yeah this is five billion years in the future and as rose does very sort of morbidly mention everyone's dead my mum's dead i'm dead like the, the earth is empty there's no one left and you know that, that that's it and, mm. and the, the the universe continues and there's so much more out there than i ever anticipated so she's sort of feeling a bit bleak about the whole thing and, and, and this, overwhelmed as you can kind of understand <laughs> yeah but uh she takes it she's like you know she's a pretty pretty hard nut to crack rose mm. like she as, as you said last week she's really showing how strong she is as a person went up against the, the the nesting consciousness and the autons but now the sense of normality is thrown away of course but i think it's because this time it's kind of like although last time it was on earth and everything like think you know everything was still kind of like her familiar. surroundings were familiar so like even though she was in a completely unfamiliar situation she's still on earth whereas now she can see the earth but she's not on it she knows that like everything has changed everyone's dead like she's not like no wonder it threw her off i mean you know that would shake anyone i think but yeah, yeah you're just in this completely unfamiliar situation you've got no idea what to do or where to go but i mean you know can't say i blame her <laughs> yeah it's true and so there's this really lovely scene between uh one of the workers on 
platform one. So the steward is just this bloke who is blue. And then all of the sort of minions are blatantly children. <laughs> Played by kids. Uh, only partially painted blue because they're wearing these big helmets. And they, 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 they communicate by sort of squeaking. Because when, when the Doctor's TARDIS is taken and put in a cupboard or something, one of them hands the Doctor's little note that's got this really strange typeface on it that you can still read in English. But he kind of goes, <laughs> as he passes into it, and it's like, okay. But um, this this woman comes in called Raffello, who I knew the name of before she said it. Literally, he sits there and, he, and I went, what's her name again? And, she, and he went, Raffello and then in the thing Rose goes what's your name Raffello it's like you're such a nerd <laughs> I'm such a nerd she's she's a plumber basically and she has to get Rose to give her permission to talk and guests are allowed anywhere so it's like it's you don't see this kind of like I don't know oppressive class system but it feels like there's this because everyone's blue it's like are they meant to be a race that are born to be like servants or to work I, in well I don't know work because in, the steward to work is... in service because I mean, the steward might be the the head of the thing, but he's not um, the top. I mean, of the, he does go up the to top the, of the food chain because the, um, the appearance of the repeated meme and go. But I'm just a steward, so exactly. Mm. It's like he's he's very much below the guests at this party because everything else is run automatically by the the corporation, which is very corporation. Uh, you know, very very imaginative uh, bosses. But there's this really lovely scene between Rose and Raffaello where she's just talking about, like, she just asks her where she's from. Which again, I also knew was Chris Ballian. Again, uh, he literally I'm said sorry. it at exactly the same time she did Chris Ballian, and I was like, "Shut up!" <laughs> I am cool, Amy. Leave me alone. Uh, and she, <laughs> Raffaello just goes off on one about how it's she's part of the. I can't even think of what it is she says about where she's from, like exactly where it is, and you know, she's. I mean, it's not the Medusa Cascade, but it's like, oh, I'm from here and that I'm and the from other. This it's it's, it's, it's kind of like that. So that sort of style, and Rose is just there, like. And she goes, oh, where are you from, miss? And she goes, I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, yes, that planet down there, actually. <laughs> down there. I came upon a space hopper. Um, and Rose, I think she's still kind of freaked out by the whole thing. It's like, this is this is normal. This isn't like a joke. This isn't like... So I, I think she expects things to be different. I think that's, that's the thing that I find fascinating about alien in in real life like alien civilization because the idea that we're the only living things in the universe is just kind of dumb i think mm. it's it's if if that were the case i'd be amazed that we were the only living things but the idea that society exists out there and it'd be interesting to see as to whether society beyond our own solar system would would be in the same sort of format we have things here it would and be quite interesting. It's always something th- you just kind of have in the back of your mind, like, I wonder what else is out there, but... I mean, if there's anything that could make 2020 worse is if aliens actually did show up this Lol. year. Like, nah, they, to be honest, they, I think at this point everyone would just kind of look at the sky and go, yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Although, I guess. fun fact, which I learnt from my mum's quiz round the other week, did you know it's illegal for aliens to land in the UK unless they have a licence? You're kidding. <laughs> no, genuinely. <laughs> your face. I, I wish people could see your face right now. Why? Are they gonna they're gonna send out like Guinevere one and be <laughs> just like right pre approved licenses. Just, just reply to this message. Just send a send a big old alien postcard down to Downing Street and we'll get to you. They're just hovering up in orbit waiting for the green light to come and land. Sorry, somewhere. your application has been delayed due to postage issues. <laughs> 
you get a you get a text back from Boris like, "Yep, you can come and park in a Finchley tube station car park. That's our nearest <laughs> spot." Go on. Jesus Christ, I didn't realize that. But anyway, <laughs> I've completely lost my point now, Amy. You're so throwing you, me. You were you're saying me way off about if aliens came and invaded the Earth in 2020. I mean, before that, that's I kind <laughs> of I kind of about? skewed. We're talking about the fact that everything was normal and Rose was yeah, a bit like yeah, yeah. And... Norm- normality was there, and it freaks Rose out. And then these little balls that the adherence to the repeated meme are giving out turn out to be these little spiders that go and screw things up. And Ruffalo, poor poor lass, is dragged into a vent, and I'm assuming like poked to death by tiny little feet because Maybe. we don't really know what what <laughs> Bless the, the spider did her. Or she got pulled through to a fan and got blended. I don't know. Oh, lovely. I mean, they can't go too dark. I mean, this is this is doctor. This is like pre-watershed TV. So. <laughs> and yet she calls her as a prostitute. But we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's kind of where we go back to. We go back to the big room where everyone is, and it, there's just a lot of discussion going on, and and like you know, all, all the aliens are milling about, and that's kind of what throws Rose off because they're all just chatting. And Rose is like, this is weird. Shouldn't they be doing, I don't know, alien, a- alien stuff? Um, and Jade, who is the tree that sort of the doctor flirts with a little bit, gives him a scan and she's like, thank you. And the doctor like passes it off like it's nothing. It's like, oh, she just took my picture with a weird like leafy iPad. A leafy uh, iPad. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> um, twig. <laughs> eye twig. Eye <laughs> Um and rose starts chatting to cassandra because she's like right i may as well go meet meet the locals see what see what's going on and rose instantly just hates her i mean wouldn't you look at her i mean yeah i mean i think it's because like obviously rose knows that with this with the gifts that she brought it's like you're chatting rubbish here Mm. you're you're so full of crap either you're like lying about your people to make them sound more interesting or you're so far removed from human that this is genuinely how you saw things to be. It's, it reminds me of um, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, he's in Voyage of the Damned. He played uh, Joe Bell in the Resur- no, not Resurrection of the Daleks, Revelation of the Daleks back in 1986, 1985. Um, mm, can't help you there. You know, I'm no with good Colin Baker. But he's the, he's the uh, he's the on the Titanic, and. He talks about how like the turkey people are devoured at Christmas because it's a human tradition, <laughs> oh, and it's yeah, like yeah. that kind of twisted um, approach to humanity. So kind Rose of like just goes Chinese whispers for Earth history. <laughs> yeah, so Rose goes all in with with Cassandra, calls her a bitchy trampoline, and I it's love just like line. I'd rather I'd rather die than look like you. And it's like, <laughs> wow, like, gee, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, it's it's almost like. Um, because Rose is like the only pure human there, it's almost like you're disrespecting my people by being so goddamn wrong. Mm. And subsequently, the uh, the adherents of the repeated beam take it out, uh, take her out. They they punch her in the face and lock her in a room. But which obviously makes sense when you uh, know the end of the episode. But exactly, uh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> and the steward's killed off by a spider who presses one button, uh, and the sun filter descends and it kills him because the whole thing, the whole place shakes. Which the doctor can tell, because as the doctor does, can tell that's not a gravity spike or gravity pockets or whatever it was that the steward said to cover it up. Mm. Um, he knows there's something up uh, on this ship. So he and Jade wander off. They go through uh, a little, um, you know, what would it be? Like a maintenance tunnel, I guess. I suppose so. And obviously Jade... Is it Jade or Jabe? I think it's Jade. Because it's like the flower. Is Jade a flower? If I got that right. Yes. Is it Jade or Jabe? 
Oh, this is going to annoy me now. I've got the old uh, the old Wikipedia page. Over. Pretty sure it's a... Jade because Jade it's is Jabe. A... Jabe. But Jabe with a B. Jabe. Eh. Um. Yeah, Jabe. That's her name. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> it's an alien. God. <laughs> but Jade um, is a flower. Yeah, that would well, make much more Jabe sense. Is a, well, Jabe is a tree. Well, so. <laughs> you're wrong. Well, so obviously Jabe took a little scan of the Doctor and her, her, her leaf pad tells her what he is. And this is where we get that little extra sprinkle of backstory. Because when I first watched this back in 2005, all this whole... I'm the last of the Time Lord stuff and my race are dead and so on and so forth. I'm so sorry that I know who you are. I thought that was stuff that happened in the old series. So when I went back and I watched, like, say, Genesis of the Daleks, it's got Time Lords at the beginning, um, and, like, the Five Doctors, which takes place on Gallifrey in the, in the Death Zone and stuff like that, I had just assumed that the Time Lords had always been dead, that the entire yeah, series. like me too the Time War was prior to Hartnell. Like, Hartnell's always been the last of the Time Lords, and mm. that's just how it was. So to hear Jabe go on about it more so, telling the Doctor um, that she's sorry, and she's and he's an impossible person. You see the Doctor tear up, and he, a single tear does drop down his cheek as, he's, as she's talking to him. Um, and she puts his her hand on his arm, and he puts his hand on hers. And it's this sort of very touching moment that, as much as we see the Doctor as being very fun, but also very fiery, mm-hmm. that closeness was kind of unexpected, almost. Kind of spoke to him, like, in a way that you don't really expect him to sort of be reachable. Like, you don't really expect somebody that he's just met to be able to kind of get through to him in a way that, like, Rose can't. Because, like... as. Uh, at this point, is it this point that him and Rose have already had the argument about who he is and where he's from? I think it. they've already had that, uh, haven't they? Yes, they have, because it's after Rose goes off to be alone. Yeah, so they've already, they've already argued about the fact that, like, he's not told her anything. Like, she's just run away with a stranger. Like, who are you? Where are you from? And he refuses to say anything. And then all of a sudden, this stranger comes along. And I think what is so good about it is the fact that Jabe... Jabe? Um, Jabe. <laughs> well, like, she takes that kind of um wall down for him because like but he doesn't want to say anything like he's he's not ready to admit like i'm the last of the time lords like he's not ready to have that conversation with rose yet and yet jabe comes along and she sort of is like i know who you are i'm really sorry like you've been through all this stuff but it takes that strain off of him actually saying it out loud and it kind of is like if someone else can like say that they're sorry for this then maybe like you know i'm not seen as a bad person for being the last one alive or like you know whatever and i think that's done really really cleverly because then it kind of opens him up to actually thinking like maybe it's not such a bad thing to feel these things and i think yeah. that's then later on what leads him to actually admitting to rose like you know jabe kind of took that um what's responsibility off of him as to sort yeah. of be like you know this is what happened and that's okay even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It seems like once you open the door with the doctor at this point in his life, then he'll open up. Because going, looking back at that point, the, the idea that the doctor doesn't really want to tell Rose who he is, it's obviously because he's ashamed mm-hmm. about what happened and if you look to uh the night of the doctor which was paul mcgann's uh, short episode prior to the 50th anniversary special in 2013 mm. he you know he i think that's the first point in time where he realizes he should be ashamed not not of what he does because obviously he's not done it yet at that yeah. point but ashamed of who he is mm-hmm. which is probably why uh eccleston hid that away you know the, the the phrase "time lord" is first mentioned in this episode by Jabe. Yeah. Uh, before she unfortunately burns to pieces. Um, Whoopee! <laughs> yay! And I think that's that that first like instance of a somebody talking to Eccleston's doctor and talking about being a time lord. The fact that the first instance that happens wasn't negative. Mm. Obviously, that's what loosens him up basically yeah and i think i love that scene because he doesn't say a word throughout that entire like chunk when she sort of is when she starts talking and she says i scanned you or whatever like literally from that line all the way through until they get into the next room he doesn't say a word but he doesn't have to and i think that's like when he when that single tear like drops it's just kind of like oh oh you're killing me why are you doing this <laughs> yeah so it's like for those who those people who are watching it new like for the first time um they they know that there's something mysterious obviously you know we, we said this last week there's something about this guy that's different that we don't know yet we're gonna hopefully find out about as the time as the series goes on and as the as the whole show continues but for those of us going back we feel those tears so much more mm. because we know so if you're obviously like i said if you're someone who's listening to this who's doing your first ever watch through you've got that stuff to look forward to if you oh, watch if you're so re-watching good. this with us then you know how that feels mm. so the steward is found dead in his office whoops thank you spiders and everyone starts kind of freaking out and uh, typically Cassandra starts throwing accusations towards the face of Bo because apparently the whole event was sponsored by him and so on and so forth and obviously you know look, if you're the guiltiest then you're the one who's going to be dishing out all the rubbish and obviously the Doctor and Jabe have gone to have a look for a I don't know the check the cooling check the systems or whatever it is because uh, you know the gravity spike wasn't right and eventually they go back to 
the they just sort of head back to the um uh Center to the main room. room where all the guests are and at this point things start going wrong the sun filters start descending in uh a couple of rooms no. I know. So he goes to see the steward's room with all the all the little blue kids waiting outside, and they're all screwed. Like him and Jabe come back from the thing. They go to see the steward's room, and then they're yeah. like, "Oh, what's happened? Like the sun filter's descended." So then he's the doctor sorts out that sun filter, and then he's like, "Oh, hang on, there's another one coming from another room," and then he runs off, and that's where he finds Rose. That's it. Yeah, I sort of lost my visit. It's like, has Cassandra left yet? No, not yet. So yeah, Rose is locked in. A room that I think the doctor and her first landed in or first came it's to. It's a similar room, anyway. It's a similar room. And the sun filter comes down, and obviously, this is Cassandra trying to kill off Rose because. She's a bit Cassandra, trampling. Because Cassandra <laughs> is, doesn't like Rose. Like, she's the last human. She can out Cassandra for being full of lies and whatever. So they try and kill her off, and then. After and you say that, but it hasn't been her. revealed that that's Cassandra at this point. Technically, it hasn't at this yet, point, no. the assistants of the repeated beam have just locked her in a room, and we don't know why. So the doctor then eventually gets. Uh, oh, actually, when he's down in the the venting room with Jabe, he gets hold of one of the spiders, yes. thanks to one of her very lovely lianas that she's not Ew. supposed to show. And <laughs> he's he's like, you know, go 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 on, Jimbo, go home. Jimbo. And here is the I repeated meme. It's like blatantly a bunch of robots who are being remote controlled, and lo and behold, it's Cassandra behind everything because it's it's like even when you're going back through this episode after already knowing how it ends. It's so painfully obvious mm-hmm. that it's Cassandra. Like you could look at that and think, if you're watching for the first time, it may be making out, making her out deliberately to look like she's she's uh, guilty to make the twist even more interesting. If it's not her, but it's like, yeah, it's kind of obvious it's her. That kind of plays upon the whole idea that it's a family show. They can't make it too like twisty, um, like Agatha Christie style yeah. stuff. Um, they have to make it at least understandable for like kids. Because at the end of the day, we were kids. Like we said, we went we were nine when this aired. Mm-hmm. So you know we wouldn't have had a super duper grasp on like crime whodunit fiction <laughs> so cassandra's behind it all she's like oh it's all down to stock prices and as soon as you're all dead or you're, you know i've got i've got compensation and stocks in your rival companies and i'm going to become even more rich it's going to it costs a lot to be this flat and so on and so forth and the doctor says oh after all this stuff, five billion years it all comes down to money it's still down to money and uh, obviously rose is still stuck in that room because the doctor couldn't get the door open like mm. Rose is still stuck in that room. She doesn't see this all all of this transpire. Um and you know, Cassandra against the rules teleports away and is like because it's like three minutes till Earth death, and she's like, Bye. Spiders <laughs> activate, they oh, blow what? things up, the shields are down, everyone on the platform is going to die. Obviously it's not Doctor Who without a big old threat. Mm-hmm. So Jabe and the Doctor run back to the uh the old uh venting room and they have to get to the reset switch, which you know Funnily enough, he's on the other side of three gigantic fans that are now spinning at full blast because the whole place is heating up due to the fact the shields are down. Sort of reminds you a little bit of a uh, kind of Takeshi's Castle style obstacle course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should, oh, we should dub Craig Charles over that sequence just to see what it would sound like. Take some of his best. We have to do. Oh, I'm trying to think of what what uh, challenge would you put? Would you take like? Craig Charles's dialogue from. Well, you could do the, the high rollers because they were like there was a lot of going between them and like falling down the middle and. I'd say like not maybe knock knock because they have to go through the right door oh, yeah. to get through the right <laughs> gap to do that. If someone could do that, that'd be hilarious. Oh my god! Um, so the Doctor figures out this this big old switch can slow down the fans because of sure course. why not? 
like this is probably the weakest part of the episode this sort of the reasoning mm. behind they're just there's just a big reset switch it's like cool and also why is it there like if you need to reset something, why are you making it difficult? Why would you put it across a catwalk with three giant fans why that would very much chop somebody death? up if they didn't have their timing right? <laughs> and it's like, that's just, it's just weird. Cash. But, so, so Jabe holds down this thing and he, the doctor's like, he's gonna, the heat's going to burn. You know, you're made of wood. You're going to burn. You're a tree. So, but she's like, no, don't stop wasting time, time lord. So that's the first time you hear that said in mm. this in the new series the word time lord we don't know about gallifrey i don't even know does eccleston even say gallifrey i have no idea he might do in a future episode but he doesn't well, that's, that's something i need to look well, on this rewatch i have to keep an eye out for because i don't really remember whether he does which would be really sad if he doesn't mm. but but anyway so the doctor makes his way past these three big fans and by the time he gets past the second one um jabe uh catches fire and Goes, she burns poof. <laughs> and she she falls to the ground she's it's it's quite comedic even the sound effect is like a really cheesy fire sound mm, effect kind of explosion and you don't, noise you, you only see it on her forearms and then you just see the doctor look back to this glowing blur behind him and this point is actually one of my favorite parts of this entire episode is mm. when the fan ahead of him is spinning so fast and he's like he tries his best to like get past it and he can't time it right the uh the earth is about to explode it's like 10 seconds away from exploding because you know tension and all that sort of thing yep. rose is uh in her room still the glass is breaking the sunlight comes coming in it's the same happening in the guest suite the mox of balhoon has just been fried oh. um poor blue boy and the doctor closes his eyes and you get that you get like the ten, the uh the ninth doctor's theme. Oh, I I'm pretty love, certain it's the ninth doctor's love pretty certain it's theme. the ninth doctor's theme, but obviously it's used all through. It's even used in a Capaldi to Jodie Whittaker's regeneration oh, I scene. Love that, that, theme. that piece of music. Um and he closes his eyes. And this is the point when I first saw the doctor as the superhero. Kind of otherworldly. Yeah. Does some kind of the Jedi that- mind trick. <laughs> it is a bit. He closes his eyes and he can just take. He can. He can just tell when he needs to take a step forward, and he walks through this fan spinning at goodness how goodness mm-hmm. knows how fast. He flicks the switch, and you know all the glass well, repairs itself, saved. and the shields Yay! go up just in time for the world to explode. Yay! It's like yeah, it's a bit of a oh everything's gonna die. There's a timer and a big button. Like it's mm. quite the setup's really interesting, but the, the payoff sort of, is. The, the the means of defeating the 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 villain of the day is a bit bleak, but at the end of the day, it's episode two of a new series. However, and- what I do enjoy is the fact that like he doesn't just kind of leave it there. It's not just like a yeah, we've solved the problem. Everybody go home. He then has to go that one step further, which he does. Yeah, I quite enjoyed. So- and this kind of loops back to something that said right at the beginning when the Doctor's looking over the Earth with Rose before they go and see the steward and he's saying, or Rose is saying, you know, he he explains that it's the classic Earth, the National Trust shifted the continents back, the planet's empty, um, the, run, the money's run out, so they're going to they're gonna let it go. Uh, and Rose says, like, so this is this what you do? You swoop in at the last minute and you, uh, uh, and you save it. And he goes, no, the, the time's up. That's it. Mm. There's the end. It's the end. And Everything has there its are, time. There are, there are a couple of times in, in Doctor Who, in the new series, where the Doctor says, this is when this person dies. Mm. And there is one point that, that is defied, and that actually becomes quite an important point in the Doctor's life, but that's something we'll get to uh, in Series 4, and then Series 8. So, quite a way away. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so you know the doctor brings cassandra back because he realizes that through teleporting through heat's going to need a relay or a boost goes or through this amazing kind of almost sherlocky moment where it's like i'm yeah, very clever I, and if i'm very clever i can work out that this 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 and this and it's like, idea boom, one oof, idea two blah ouch, blah blah blah, blah. Have yeah it. <laughs> Um, seeing the doctor's mind work on this is, is fantastic. Like you kind of see it a bit in Rose when he's like plugging the head into the uh, into mm-hmm. the TARDIS at Mickey's plastic head and stuff like that. But this is him. Yeah, as you say, it's a proper Sherlock esque. It kind I'm of is. I'm angry. I'm determined to get the person who's tried to kill or has yeah. killed people. So you know, there's the ostrich egg that's got the teleport relay in it, and lo and behold, it's Cassandra. As we know, we already know she's outed herself yeah, as being yeah. the person who's behind it all, and. She comes back. Her, it's only her that comes back. No, no, no friendos with her to moisturize. And, you know, the doctor says, uh, you know, ah, I've got you, ah, whatever. She's trying to make excuses. And Oh, you've passed my little test. <laughs> now you can join the uh, human club. Human club. And, uh, <laughs> she's, and, you know, the doctor's like, ah, what is it he's sort of saying? Because obviously Cassandra's just sort of mouthing off on things. And then the doctor says, I'm oh, she's she's essentially going, um, oh, uh, you wouldn't get your lawyers on me because your definition of like people would keep them busy for like thousands for of centuries. years and blah, blah, blah. And then he's, yeah. she's all like, so you take me to court and you watch me smile and laugh and blah. And then he's like, and that's creak. it. Because, and this is quite a morbid scene. Mm. Like you, the blood is never a thing that happens in Doctor Who. You don't see people get torn to shreds like you did in Torchwood. Um, even people being shot, like when you see Jenny be shot in series mm. four, it's like you don't see any blood or any gunshot thing. You don't see like the, the puff of smoke and the tearing of clothes. It's just so safe for work. Yeah. And then you see Cassandra, who's just skin, lips and two eyeballs. And she creaks, she go and you know, Zombie Wanna make her screaming, I'm too young. And then she like tears apart and it's like, it is bloody, mm-hmm. uh, or it is almost bloody because it's like skin, skin. But when she tears apart, it head. goes very <laughs> red, and it's like I remember watching that because I, I was never good with gore, nah, me or anything like that. I'm still not that. I'm not that good with it. I, I don't understand like the the, the want or the uh, entertainment from like gornography films. Mm. So seeing this as a kid, uh, you know, nine years old, seeing this weird flat woman be torn to shreds, lovely. I, I thought it was gross. Mm. Like, ugh, like it, what it was quite, it was pushing it. Um, and there are there are multiple moments during that um, episode that are pushing it, like Jabe saying, asking <laughs> if Rose is a prostitute because she says wife, partner, whatever, and then prostitute. And Rose is like, bitch, please. I'm still like, here. <laughs> I'm not a prostitute. And Come then on. she goes, I'm going to go over and chat to Michael Jackson. <laughs> Like, which is ooh. not it's it's that like um that russell t davies um sort of adult nature coming back through interestingly i saw something on uh i think it was reddit yesterday last night of uh people obviously people are talking about showrunners and who they should who should take over the show mm-hmm. and somebody said that charlie brooker should take over doctor oh who, my apparently God. he was apparently asked a while ago to write an episode of doctor who and i'm just like do you know what I could get behind that. I could Somebody see that. in the, in in the comments said, um, "Oh, but he's only ever done um, adult stuff. So how is that going to translate well to Doctor Who?" And it's like, well, you look at someone like Russell T Davies, who's done, you know, LGBT stuff in TV. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of like more adult stuff in the past. This is his first foray into doing 
stuff with an audience broader than just adults yeah. and you know he did it really well he managed to cater for everyone and though it's as, as we said in the first episode if you if you are watching this series for the first time there's so much brilliant humor that would be com- would go completely past the kids yeah like in in rose when the doctor's talking about all the plastics and things and rose says the breast implants like <laughs> you're a kid you wouldn't get that now you would it's just that that brilliant um broadness to it and making a michael jackson joke because cassandra is pale and stretchy faced and stuff and it's like ooh, that's, that's pushing uh, it a little bit <laughs> that's a that's very much a 2005 joke and even then that was still pushing it so funny though <laughs> oh it's it's funny it's so funny um that they, they managed to squeeze these really quite dark moments of humor in and we see it all through this series and mm. it's always great to look forward to there are more moments in this episode that made me laugh than i remember yeah definitely um and it's a really good first part to going into the future because we go we go to the future quite a, a bit fair amount in this series i think it's relatively balanced mm. um the only thing is obviously there's no there's no planets in the series one budget only only ever space stations and yeah like i said at the beginning of this most of the budget is blown on these cgi shots because you don't get as much like ridiculous cgi over the course of the, over the rest of this series there are some really fantastic cgi moments that have aged incredibly well mm-hmm. uh, in the series to come but Siri, uh, end of the world has some shaky um, CG. Like the exterior, the exterior shots generally of Platform One are pretty good. But there are a few shots when you have uh, there's the observation room where the Doctor and Rose are, and you can see in through the window, and it's very blatantly a flat texture mm-hmm. with a, like a window, like orangey window sheen on it and when the the camera moves you can see that it's flat yeah and it's like I, again this is like it's not i don't think it's a difficult millennium effects i think they're the people who do the physical effects and prosthetics and things i can't remember what the uh the production company did the effects back because they're basically the company who were hired to do the entirety of uh the russell T. davies and moffat era did everything up until uh chibnall because it was dneg who took over the uh the cgi from them um and yeah apparently most of the budget was blown of that and there are some good cgi moments there are some not so good ones you mentioned when we were watching it about how when eccleston puts the spider down to say go home to your to go home to your your, your boss that he looks really blurry mm, yeah the whole kind looks- of shot just like goes really blurred over when the cgi kind of comes into play and it's like hmm <laughs> okay <laughs> And it's like, you know, Doctor Who's never been known for having good CGI. It's, it's again, as we've said, it's the charm yeah. of the, the series. There's always the, the sort of the jankiness of it. But the fact we're watching the, uh, the, the, the most recent Blu-ray re-release of Series 1, which was back in 2017, um, the audio mixing is a bit rubbish, but yeah. the, uh, the visuals are really nice. But seeing like that CGI at like full HD... Oh, it's a bit, it's a I bit mean, shaky. It is what it is, though. You don't like sort of. It doesn't take away from the episode. So no, 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 not at all. Like it's not so bad that it's not worth watching. But I, I, I don't think there's anything in series one that's so bad it's not worth watching. No, like, well, there's going to be episodes we're going to get to in the future where we're looking at it going, oh no, I don't, oh, I don't want to have to watch this. Mm. Oh well. But otherwise, it's really good. And, and after this, it's all blown over and uh, Cassandra is killed. I mean, the thing is, Rose says to him, like, save her. Mm. This is something I was going to mention because uh, this is one of the times when you get a 
very kind of different insight into the doctor's morality because we like you know i know that you've said it a lot in ups and downs about um like the doctor's morality being very flip floppy during like jody's era um but you never really with tenant it was always never kill like you know that was yeah. the kind of thing like don't kill anyone unless you can absolutely help it like you know whatever whereas this kind of for me, it's very Eccleston. It's like, no, she's killed people. She deserves to die. I'm not doing anything that nature isn't going to do anyway. Like, she should have died ages ago. Everything has its time. Tough. And I I really like that about his character because it's like, the Doctor's not perfect in this instance. Like, David's Doctor, obviously we'll get to that, but like, David's Doctor tries to be this kind of perfect hero. Whereas Eccleston is very much like, no, I'm here. I'm real. Like, you know, she's a bitch. I'm done with her sort of thing. And I really like that about his arrogant kind of character he's arrogant but he's not dislikable no like there's so much about it's not so much that just because he can make a joke and do a little dance and it just it just like counters the fact that he can be so dark sometimes there are moments we'll get to in the in the future of this particular series where you do see this again Mm. and in fact it's questioned uh, at one point as well but yeah he has this approach of I, i i'm done with you it's time to die and I know that every, there, there is a point when that's that's echoed by Rose later in the series. And I'm pretty certain it happens again in uh, a future series. I can't pinpoint exactly when, but I know that kind of debate of, no, I'm not saving it. Yeah. This, this is this. I is think it's happen. a very Tenant thing because it might be a Matt Smith thing, but I'm pretty sure that after Tenant is when we get, or during Tenant is when we get the idea of um, fixed point in space and time. And like certain things yeah. cannot be unwritten and rewritten and things yeah. like that. So, so yeah, the, the Doctor and Rose go back to Earth because, you know, Rose is still a bit shaken by this whole thing. She's had obviously a lot thrown on her plate with, you know, meeting all these aliens and uh, then, you know, nearly dying twice. Uh, so they go back to Earth and they're just, they're looking at people. A busy street, which mm-hmm. we haven't seen in, in months. Uh, and... The doctor talks about how, you know, you think it'll all exist forever, you know, people, cars and concrete, but it doesn't. It just doesn't. And it's, interestingly, it's a really bleak ending, yeah. apart from the way that they, like, move things on to chips, which is always a good thing. <laughs> I love that. Um, Can you spell chips? <laughs> I want chips. I'm buying. I always want um, chips. I mean, yeah. Uh, they, they just come back to this really bleak message of, yeah this is all going to end one day. But the but then the kind of the beauty of it that they don't really have to go on about, they don't have to spoon feed it, is that, you know, this is five billion years in the future. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not exactly known when the sun will expand because obviously that is a genuine thing that will happen. Uh, the sun will expand and the earth will be eaten up, but, you know, we'll be, we'll be long dead before that happens. Um, so it is kind of like a very indirect, you know, you it's not so much that you'd have to worry about it, but you should make the most of your life because you've seen a future mm. be it fictional but you've seen a future where you're not here every time the doctor goes into the future you're not there mm. but also Unless he goes what, like a little bit into the future what is so i think you know you sort of look at it and you think oh this is a really bleak like message why is he bringing rose back to the present like you think he's going to bring rose back to the present and be like see everything's fine like you don't have to worry about this but actually what it does is that gives him that opens the gate to him to then sort of be like that happened to my planet 
like what you've just yeah. seen is what happened not necessarily like you know not exactly like his son didn't expand or whatever but you know my planet burnt my planet did this and that is the first time the doctor opens up to rose and i think it's that kind of leading of like you know you think it's all gonna last forever and it doesn't and i've had to deal with that i've had to deal with losing every single one of my people my family my friends like you know everything that i knew is gone and so yeah you know you think it's gonna last forever but it's not and i think that's really brilliantly done because you're sort of sat there going god this is bleak oh Oh, there's a reason it's bleak. Oh no, sad. Yeah, he, he leads her in by literally like quite. It's quite um, a heavy way to go. It's like I'm going to lead you into no the idea that my planet burned mm. and was destroyed in this war that you'll you know you'll be spoon fed a bit more as the time goes on. But I'm going to I'm going to get you onto that train by making you watch your planet. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit like I mean you know the Doctor at the beginning he he is like. That's a bit boring, isn't it? Mm. Should, we do something, should we do something really like I know exactly where to take you? And he's properly throwing her in the deep end because I think even he can see the strength that she's had. Like he's had so many companions in the classic series um, that have been, you know, so almost in denial about things sometimes. Um, and we see it with characters and like, you know, he's seen Mickey uh, in the episode, in the first episode and he's like properly freaking out about things and he sees how strong Rose is and he's like, mm. okay, I'm going to, I'm going to properly put it to the test here. Uh, whereas like in the next episode, he's actually taking us somewhere to go and see the past, to go and see some fun. And obviously, you know, they're the doctor, the doctor and the companion. Trouble they're going to get him around. Yeah, exactly. As a uh, companion of death. Yeah. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is um, mm. this uh, and trying to be as spoiler free as possible if anybody hasn't seen Doctor Who, but this is the first episode where you hear the mention of Bad Wolf. That's very true. And I don't really think I remember hearing that before because when Bad Wolf is talked about later in the series, this point is not it's actually not shown. brought up no but then i thought it's because so, it's such a little tiny easter egg of audio like you just kind of yeah. happen as the shot is panning across the main room while everybody's just chatting you just hear the mocks of balhoon say something like oh bad wolf and that's literally it's, like, a, it's a bad wolf scenario yeah you and just, that's just it. tiny and you just kind of catch it and i literally turned to you and i was like oh, bad wolf <laughs> genuinely I'd, I'd never heard that before i've never noticed that oh. so the fact that we're going back through it after 15 years and we're still finding things about this Easter these episodes egg. <laughs> that I, I know I know like back to front. It's incredible. And that's why like we love this show so mm-hmm. much and there's the reason why we love series one so much and there's a reason why I love Eccleston so much. Like just his era is borderline perfect in my opinion. But yeah, so the Bad Wolf stuff had been mentioned, which again will be something we'll get to through the course of the series. No spoilers if you are listening uh, to this with your first ever watch through of, uh, of Doctor but, uh, Who. But just to uh, uh, keep an eye out. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, keep, keep, can I keep an eye and ear out. It's more of an ear out uh, for now. But uh, yeah, so you know, the Doctor's on Earth, he's told Rose about this war and about how all of his people are dead. They died, they burned. It was a war against who? Not going to say, but we lost. Um, and that's the Doctor covering, mm. which is something that we will we'll get to it's something that fuels the character like you'll have so much more respect and understanding of eccleston's doctor once you get past um the i don't know when it is exactly that it's more revealed as to what happened it's before the day of the doctor the 50th anniversary special but i know that 
it's at some point it's more it's explained more as to what I know, really happened well i think a lo- uh, some of it comes out during dalek the ep- the sixth episode doesn't it because he does it it does a bit and he talks more about the war yeah uh, but i don't recall exactly when he talks about what he did i think it so. might be a bit of a tenancy you kind of i want to say it's like a tenancy way mm. or maybe even matt smith i don't really remember but it's something that uh actually no it's definitely before um matt smith because there's an episode in series six where he uh sort of makes half a joke about it so it's definitely before series six like, mm. i know that much uh, and I only know that because I had to dip into the episode to get some uh, screenshots for an article. Um, but it's definitely before that point. So there's a lot more to this war thing, if you're completely new to this, that's uh, that's definitely coming your way. So there's a, or, you know, the more seeds have been planted for sort of getting more stuff over to you as to what happened in this um, hiatus between 1996 and now, because it does happen between... Uh, Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor and Eccleston's Ninth Doctor is definitively there that yeah. this whole war happens. And you will get to see it. Mm-hmm. And you will he- hear more about it as the series continues, but that's not for another... God uh, knows how long, yeah. Eight years Oof. after the show came back that the, the uh, we got the final answer. to what happened. When was it, 2014? 2013. Oh, yeah, right, like really late 2013. 50th, 50th anniversary is November, November. 2013, yeah for day of the doctor so there's a lot to look forward to speaking of things to look forward to next week it's the uh, episode three the unquiet dead good episode which it's a very good episode it's sort of one i kind of forget about when i think Mm. about series one it's um it's kind of just sort of there i suppose it's kind of like one of these um it's like a more fun episode like there's nothing particularly weighty that happens it's just kind of like they go they get into trouble they leave again like there's nothing sort of that's like a like a really really uh, like a gross generalization of it i mean obviously you are right like yeah i mean that's you that boils down to every episode of Doctor <laughs> well, Who, but it's a uh, but i mean it's... we're going to the past and we're gonna see charles dickens and some weird ghosts and that's based on just the next time trailer mm-hmm. but that's something you'll have to wait for next week to watch and or listen to that is if you're watching it weekly and waiting for the podcast i know that i restarted my scrubs rewatch after the after the fake doctors real friends podcast started and they must be i don't know how far through they are episode one and i've nearly finished series eight <laughs> of my rewatch so i've not really been keeping up with it properly but uh if you are re-watching this uh, or you're watching this for the first time please let us know on social media you can tweet using the hashtag escaping Castebris because we've had people do that already so we'll make that a thing hashtag escaping Castebris it's a bit of a mouthful because I mean I struggle I mean, to spell it, it <laughs> with whatever platform you're uh, with a, whatever platform you're watching and or listening on uh, you can see it right there in the title so you can do that hashtag escaping Castebris you can even find me personally on Twitter at pickupchangetoe and you can find Amy at Ames at underscore Elizabeth in dd doodly thank you all very much for listening today hopefully this all sounds a bit better we changed up how we're recording this to make sure it's not as a uh, weirdly echoey yeah, it didn't really record that. as nicely as i'd so you know i just assumed it would work but i'm wrong no. <laughs> apparently i was completely wrong so uh, hopefully this will sound a bit better than last week but uh, thank you all very much for listening uh, again all of the comments and messages we've had over the last week since we've released the first part has been so brilliant and we hugely appreciate that thank you for all the comments on the video version if you are watching this on the who culture youtube channel thank you thank you all 
very much for listening and we will see you next week bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.